the I Think You're Wrong podcast. I'm Jake Lichtel. And I'm Sebastian Waldron. Today, our guest is Amber Scott, a Master of Divinity student at Duke Divinity School. Amber, welcome. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, we're really happy to have you. Um, today, our topic is faith in sports, religion in sports. Um, we're going to get to a lot of different things, but first, just tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up, your background mm-hmm. growing up, and your background um, both in your religious life and um, gr- growing up with sports in your life, too. Yeah, sure thing. So, I am from Robbinsville, New Jersey. I was born in Trenton, New Jersey, and then moved to Robbinsville when I was five. Um, Let's see, what else, what else? I played sports my entire life. Um, Started running track when I was in the sixth grade and did it all the way through college. So um, track and field is literally my first love, and I ran the hurdles, actually, the 100-meter hurdles. So, you know, had a great time doing that. And then as it relates to my faith, I was actually born and raised in the same church my entire life. I'm still a member there to this day, Union Baptist Church, um, which is also in Trenton, New Jersey. So that's where I'm from. Uh, After graduating from high school, I went to University of Pennsylvania and studied communications there in urban studies and was on the track team, still running the 100-meter hurdles and graduated in 2013. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so t- talk a little bit about your your time as an undergrad, um, as a student athlete, and mm. kinda how that shaped you um, and what that meant to you. Yeah, for sure. So just being a student athlete is interesting, right? Because it's almost like having a full-time job yeah. <laughs> at the age of 18. But to be honest, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, just because it allowed me to have structure mm-hmm. to my day. Yeah. You know, I would go from class or depending on the day, go from practice in the morning to class to another practice. And then just building a community with my teammates. Those were literally some of the closest people that I had. And then also just growing uh, personally, spiritually, um and really just having this level of discipline Hmm. um when you're in collegiate sports i think it forces you to grow up a little bit quicker just because you're balancing Hmm. so many different things so yeah i think playing any you know collegiate sport is really tough but um i'm so grateful for the formative aspects of it even off the track yeah yeah Yeah. i think a lot of it carries over i think student athletes um, in colleges and universities have a higher GPA on average than, than non-student mm-hmm. athletes. Our track team, especially the, our track team, we, we consistently, not trying to brag because, you know, whatever. That's but right. you got we, pride. We were, we were pretty, we were pretty <laughs> smart. Women's track and field, women's Quakers, we, we held it down. All right. So, All right. Yeah. Go Quakers, go, go Penn. Go Quakers. Right? Re- repping the Ivy League. Yes. All right, Lichtel, any questions? continue on the journey not yet mm. okay okay so after your your undergrad you you worked for the mba correct right? okay tell us a little it was bit actually about that a crazy that. story yeah. yeah so funny enough when um when i got to college i always said i wanted to be an on-air news personality <laughs> and like loved entertainment well, here you go you're, you're living out your dream look look us. at this i'm excited well, you made <laughs> i made it great <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I always said I wanted to go into broadcast journalism and worked at a news station for a few years when I was in college. But then, funny enough, the people there were like, get out while you can. It's a dying industry. I'm like, Mm. all right, Hmm. bet. Um, And so one day in my junior year, um, while at Penn, I was at a college fair, a recruiting fair, and the NBA happened to be there, like mm. a representative from the NBA. I didn't know the NBA had jobs. You know? Right. Like right. I, I grew up loving sports, like I said, especially track. I played a little basketball up until high school and um, obviously watched the NBA, but right. didn't know they had like corporate jobs. Yeah, yeah. So I just happened to go up. Yeah, it's not something you really think of. So I, I just happened to go up to their booth and 
I showed the woman, the HR rep, my resume, and she actually like ripped it apart. She was not physically ripped it apart, but she was going through and like <laughs> looking at it. And she's like, oh, this is like all wrong. This is all wrong. Like you need to make these updates, wow. et cetera, et cetera. Um, but she was like, you know what? I think you're cool. You should apply. And so okay. to this day, like if she didn't take a chance on me, like, you know, went out of her way to, um, like I said, help me with my resume and explaining like the different opportunities, I wouldn't have even known to apply there. So I applied for an internship this summer after my junior year and got it working in the, uh, the corporate office in Manhattan. And um, it was the best time in my life literally uh the internship, the internship. okay yeah okay. it was so great um what, that was where the time did you intern- what which department department yeah i was in the media group within we called it global marketing partnerships at the time so the best way to explain that is if you see like nike running an advertisement on any type of like NBA digital platform, mm-hmm. whether it be like a banner ad or they may have like tweets or social, any type of like social media posting, mm-hmm. um, partners have to pay for that, mm-hmm. right? So my team was tasked with coming up with all of the, the different media opportunities okay. for different cool. partners or sponsors, whatever term you want to use uh, to connect with us. So it was really fun. Like they gave us a lot of autonomy just to come up with really cool ideas and um it's just a great place to work so much fun really fast paced really Mm. young uh yeah and it's basketball who doesn't love selling basketball for a living right absolutely but i remember the last day of the internship it was a summer friday which means everyone like the full-time employees leave on a half day they leave at one o'clock and uh, all the interns who were still there, we were just like, we're not ready to leave yet. So we just walked around the, the, the office. And I forgot to mention, the office literally has like, not playable basketball courts, but, mm. you know, really cool memorabilia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like hoops, you know, jerseys and stuff everywhere. So we were just all running around, just trying to soak it all in mm. for one last time. I would be too. Before yeah. leaving for the summer. So that was my internship experience. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then you worked for mm-hmm. the MBA after you graduated. Correct. So sports is actually an interest, an interesting industry. You know how, um, a lot of folks, like if you may be in consulting or finance or something that has a little bit more I guess stability is in the right word, but you know, they have a big recruiting class each summer. You normally get your offer right before you return Mm -hmm. back to your senior year for the summer but the way most sports and entertainment companies work you actually you have to interview again and you're not guaranteed a Mm full-time job after you graduate so i returned back to school for my senior year and then applied to the nba associates program which is um basically a training and rotational program for recent graduates who want to come into the league and just learn about everything related to the business of the NBA. So I applied to that and got it. Crazy enough, I actually found out about it the day after I graduated. I got my official offer letter. So I was holding out because that's how badly I wanted to go back there. I, I was literally moving my stuff out of my dorm and the league called me and they were like, oh, you got the position. And then I started in July of 2013. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. How long were you there for? So I was there for five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what department were you in when you were there? <clears throat> I went back to the same department that I interned in. Okay. So when I was interning, mm-hmm. it was called Global Marketing Partnerships. It's since transition to global partnerships but doing similar things i just had different clients that i was working on did work with well actually still nike gatorade FanDuel, anheuser-busch under the bud light brand foot locker it's a lot of dick sporting goods so yeah anytime you see any type of sponsorship with the nba or any other professional sports league um, you have a team of folks like myself, you're called account managers, and you're responsible for 
creating the deals, like the partnerships with them, mm. um, working hand in hand with the legal team. And then my expertise was in strategy and um, you know planning and making sure yeah. we're executing the marketing component of those deals. So coming up with like the commercials, coming up with the events that those partners did uh, with the NBA and seeing that contract come into fruition. Okay. Yeah, like bringing mm. it to life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're an interesting. We all have winding paths to get to divinity yes. school, right? We sure <laughs> um, do. But um, you know, it's often not thought of to um, you know major in communications, mm-hmm. be a collegiate athlete, work for the NBA mm-hmm. for five years, and then go to divinity school. Yeah. Um, so kind of interesting. Uh, but you were also actively involved in ministry correct while you were working for the mba so so talk a little bit about that experience and if doing those two together Mm. you know shaped shaped your path to um, to come here uh, and do ministry full-time well to get to that i would have to talk about my time um in college so had a great time in college but to be honest, just spiritually fell off, yeah. which I think it probably happens with a lot of collegiate students. And when I graduated, I distinctly remember, you know, about two or three months into my job, I was like, wow, like I have my dream job, but mm-hmm. I'm just not the happiest that I could hmm. be right now. Um, and I was like, well, dang, like what's missing? And I realized I just you know, hadn't been as faithful, lost touch uh, with God. Um, not that I wasn't a believer anymore, you know, Jesus, but just literally hadn't been committing right. time to my faith. Yeah. And so I noticed um, with myself and some of my other peers, when we came back home from college, it just seemed like there wasn't really much for young adults to do hmm. um, within our church. And a lot of things were antiquated right when it comes to different events and activities and outreach so i was really inspired to start a young adult ministry at my church Hmm. which is called the 2030 somethings ministry Hmm. so i started that around the same time that i started working at the league and the whole premise of that is yes it's a young adult ministry but we actually, instead of calling, you know, our weekly Bible studies, Bible studies, we would call them Real Talk Tuesdays because we were really trying to think about what is the intersection of topical things going on in our lives as young adults in our 20s and 30s, whether it be, you know, at that time, Black Lives Matter was getting off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so thinking about whose side is God on, right, when it comes to police brutality, uh, we looked at, uh, what's that show? There was a show on Comedy Central about Jesus. What's sh- There's a show. It was like Jesus and Compton. Um, but anyway, the point of yeah, that was. I think I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah but yeah. like literally like Jesus yeah. was like drinking 40s and like hanging out. Um, <laughs> I have heard of that show. You know, like it, on the but... corner with people. But the, the point of that conversation was, you know, I feel like people. Uh, especially when you're when you're in your 20s you feel like you need to get everything together before you actually come to to christ and like no like Mm. jesus comes and meets you where you're at right right? so that was that was something we talked about and anything else under the sun from dating because you know we have student loans coming out of college Mm. to relationships (laughs) and all those things so that was that was the ministry okay and um it was cool to like do that alongside my job because there were also ways to, uh, I guess, generate like community impact and outreach um, through the work that I did through an employee resource group that Hmm. I started when I was Hmm. at the NBA called Dream and Color, which is um, the first ever black employee network Hmm. that the league had. And so we focus on professional development, like emotional, spiritual growth, as well as um, so, forming people, you know, in the community yeah, and yeah, yeah. within our company. So yeah, that was a way where I was able to bring some of that ministerial work. Yeah, and so, so that's a secular space, right? But but mm-hmm. did you feel like you were? That was a part of your ministry. 
Correct. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're able to bring in all those aspects you were learning in the church world to the to the business place. Yep. That's awesome. For so sure. not too busy at all. Just <laughs> just, just a couple you know, things. Just a few things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so I want to start talking about sports in, in American life and professional mm. sports um, in general um, and, and, and faith's role in them. But first, um, you know, as a former employee of the NBA, mm. um, you know, you know, you know that I'm a basketball junkie. So I've been, um, I've been mourning and, and devastated mm. by, by the loss of, of Kobe Bryant. Um, and, and, you know, the tragic loss of his daughter and and the seven other lives, um, that were lost. Um, so I, I, I guess I, I just want to give you the opportunity to, Mm. to talk about Kobe, um, and what he meant to the NBA and what he meant not, not only to, to basketball, but to sports in all different aspects of, of American life. And to the world. Or, or, or to the world. To, to. Especially in China, <laughs> to humanity, right? right? Like yeah, that, yeah. Kobe was one of the the first. I mean, you have like Yao Ming, but you know, Kobe was one of the the first professional basketball players to really have that crossover, like that mm. appeal mm. Um, yeah. between yeah. you know here in America and and in China, mm-hmm. but. Wow, it was hard. I I didn't have a chance. I had a chance to meet a lot of the players when I was yeah. at the league, yeah. which was I was really blessed to form some relationships with some of them. But sure. I didn't I didn't have a chance to meet Kobe, but I actually did have a chance to work on his retirement commercial that hmm. he did oh, wow. with Nike hmm. when um you know he was retiring. Right, and so that was really moving just because you know I got a chance to literally document all the different impacts and accolades that he had Mm -hmm. over his career and i was Mm -hmm. like wow like and it wasn't just even on the court right Right. like his stats like the mamba mentality right like just what he meant not only to players coming up in the league after him but just what it means to be an athlete but then also make your presence known off the court like Mm. he was Hmm. literally just the epitome of that and not necessarily the loudest person in the room right but right right discipline you know heart like commitment like all of those things um so yeah that was that was a really cool project because i like i said i didn't get to meet him but i feel like i had a, a really you know personal connection yeah. with his story yeah um as he was going out so yeah so that was amazing and then when he passed just to give some background most people or many people may not know this but david stern yeah passed away well yeah. you all know but sure. you know david stern passed away a few weeks before that yeah. so like having that and then kobe uh mm-hmm. pass away within mm-hmm. a few weeks of each other it's yeah, just it's, like it's, you know our heart was really yeah. was hurting and yeah. i think the part that also got me was seeing the players react mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. it's devastating um yeah. and you know like you said he was basketball was was his his outlet and his, mm. his way to 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 reach the world right but he was just an exceptional human being <laughs> um i mean he won an oscar right so um so he was still keeping that mamba mentality in, in retirement. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and Lichtel, you're from you're from LA. You grew up yep. watching him. So, um, give you the chance to say yeah, a little it's, something it's too. It's a devastating loss. I mean, I remember growing up watching Kobe play, and you know, I mean, I remember I remember getting the text from you guys. You know, yeah. Yeah. I was sitting at breakfast, and um, I, I didn't want to believe it. I, I, I thought it was a joke. I, yeah. I didn't believe it at first. It's, it took it's me a one few of, hours. It's one of those moments it. where you, everyone will remember where they were when when they heard that. Yeah, that news. Yeah, right? it was. It's you like, know, it was just this. Tra- it was a trap. I mean, I, everything stopped. Yeah, you know, I stopped breakfast and was like, mm-hmm. didn't know what to do. And so, it's um, it's a big loss for me, especially LA. I mean, I, if you've seen the support, I've watched some of the news cycle from it. Everyone's pouring out, you mm-hmm. know, to mm-hmm. show what he meant to them. Um, I mean that whole city stopped as a result. Yeah, um, the, the world did for a second. Yeah, but yeah, especially Absolutely. LA. Yeah. So, yeah, 
literally my heart and prayers go out to his family. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for, um, for talking about that. Um, both of you. Um, I didn't want to do a podcast about sports and, and not, not acknowledge, uh, not acknowledge Kobe. So, um, okay. So to move on a little bit, um, you know, sports, um, have kind of had an interesting history. Um, you know, the way they've developed, um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at some of, some of our notes here. Um, and, you know, sports, um, many have, have developed as a part of, um, religious festivals historically, right? So, so, the, um, while they're, they're different in many ways, um, sports and religion, um, have a lot of similarities. They're, they're both, um, ceremonial and, and festive, sure. um, <laughs> and, um, so, so I guess, um, we can just start by, you know, talking about just the intersection of, of where we see faith, um, in sports, um, I guess specifically, um, we can start by talking about professional sports mm. um, in in modern American life, like you know how religion, and maybe not even religion per se, but just just the idea of faith has impacted um, athletes and just the way uh, the way we view sporting events and what what they mean to us. Right? Sure. Well, I think on a very basic level most professional most if not all professional sporting teams have a chaplain yeah which is an interesting concept yeah not many people know that mm-hmm. yeah they have chaplains mm-hmm. so now do all players use them i don't know but you know just the fact that yeah. that is a designated position on the team i think that's interesting um I think another interesting aspect of professional sports and faith is uh, when you start getting into, um, not liturgies, but you know, different, yeah, like habits or religious, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. whether it be uh certain socks that you wear like where sure. what like yeah. what is Ritual. the rituals, rituals. right like yeah. what is lucky the, jersey lucky shirt lucky yeah socks. right like yeah. is that is that a form of faith right sports um, is spirituality is that kind of like we ritualize sports in a lot of ways mm-hmm. yeah. especially baseball you gotta wear your lucky socks right yeah. right yeah but i think yeah. it also even starts like getting away from professional sports just for a second. Sure, yeah, that's um, fine. If you look at, like we have here, like the ancient Mayans and Greeks, right, when their earliest form of Olympics, um, they were playing ball games, whatever yeah. types of ball games, and whoever lost would be sacrificed. <laughs> Not to be morbid, but, you know, like it would be sacrificed to whatever their respective gods were, right? And then you had the development of, yeah. Like the Olympics as we know it today. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just how like that can be a form of, um, you know, diplomacy, a form of really neighborly love, right? In a way, mm-hmm. we study this concept of neighborly love all the time in seminary, right? What does right. that mean? Right. Um, so I think it, it shows up in, in a lot of different ways. So you mentioned habit and, and ritual, and I wanted to bring this up at, at some point. Okay. I'll bring mm-hmm. it up now because okay. I'm, I'm intrigued with it. Uh, this idea of uh, sports as the liturgy of empire. And I pulled this from an article I read, and I wish I could attribute the author. But thinking of sp- our sporting events specifically, maybe 
you could pick football, you could pick basketball, whatever whatever sport you want to you want to pick. But we don our religious garments, we put on our jerseys, mm-hmm. we go to the stadium, we know when to sit, we know when to stand. We are being formed by all of the moments in the game. Because we all we know the worship, we have the songs, we know seventh inning stretch, yeah, the cheers, all the that. cheers. Yeah. We have all of those things that are habit forming. And when we think of liturgies, like those are meant to, again, form habits in us and practices in our lives. Hmm. So the question may be being, how is how are sports playing into the habit forming of the American life? Is that feeding mm. consumerism? Is that feeding material? Like, what is that feeding? Because I think you can feed the right thing, like spiritually. I think there's, mm. you know, but like when is when it gets co-opted by empire? And I think you know, in this case, <laughs> the United States is empire. United States, right? Right. Yeah. So we're, you're we're, saying empire, like when it crosses over into capitalism and being go. taken. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah, or? so I mean, yeah. I guess like when when sporting events becomes ritualistic in a worship, when it becomes a worship service and we yeah. start emulating the like, you know, the Roman Jesus came to overthrow the Roman Empire mm-hmm. through his his life and practice. Yeah. We're meant to overthrow the dominant system here as well as Christians. <laughs> right? And that's the United. Yeah. That, that's that's like right the form of, of the empire that we're right we live in right, right. so it's like what's the, the united system? states is, is, is our is our room yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> amber's amber's laughing no i it. agree i mean i'm a pretty radical person like i agree 100 yeah. percent. yeah like so i mean when, when we see people subvert i mean we, we we know it's it's ritualistic and religious when people mm. subvert the liturgy mm. so you wanted to talk about cap i mean when he took a knee Cap- that meaning, meaning Colin Actually, Kaepernick. Let's, Kaepernick. Talk, let's talk about When you talk about it. Kaepernick, okay. like, yeah. he subverted the liturgy of empire by taking a knee, whether mm. or not you agree with him or not. And you knew it was hmm. religious when people got upset. Yes. Right? So, I mean, that's how you hmm. know you, you stepped on their their golden calf. Like, no, that's hmm. mine. Like, hmm. why did you... You you, you messed up. Like, and I, I just And then you also have to think about, and this is a study we actually did when I was at the NBA, like, during the Pledge of Allegiance, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. whether you know, in the national anthem, yeah. right? That is a religious ritual Absolutely. as well, right? Yeah. Like to your point, that's part of whatever sporting mm-hmm. events. So for you to infringe or if you cap to infringe on that, yeah. like, well, he, what does that because mean? what is the Pledge of Allegiance? What's the national? It's it's forming you to be a good citizen. Mm-hmm. It's forming mm-hmm. you to be an American first, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so when you put some other allegiance above that being American, people get upset. Correct. Right? So what's your allegiance ultimately towards? What was he pointing out? He was pointing out injustice. You can make all these arguments. Hey, w- when in fact, though, I mean, his allegiance really, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was very American. Absolutely. In it was in the ways, civil right? disobedience. He was, he was using civil protest, yeah. um, you know, to raise awareness about injustice, sure. right? And, and, Athletes have a tradition of, of doing this mm-hmm. too, right? Muhammad Ali, yeah, uh, Jim Brown, um, you know, you, you could you could go down the line. Mm-hmm. So um, Cap's just just the most recent, um, and I mean, people didn't let. Now those figures are revered, right? But people didn't at really moment, like them at the in the moment, right? So no. I guess the other question I have for you all is when people started following behind him. Yeah. I guess they would know why they're doing it. But you, you know what I'm saying? Do you think it started losing some of the some of the value, right? Like of of what it was actually meant correct. to do? <laughs> well, I, I something that's bothered me about I mean a lot of things have bothered me about well, especially the way the NFL has has handled the the, mm-hmm. the Kaepernick situation, but it's it's become a conversation about um what does the national anthem mean? And is it okay to kneel during the national anthem? When really, that was just his way of being able to talk about police brutality. Sure. Mm. You know, black and brown bodies being murdered by the police state, you know, which Mm. is a reality that this country has to face. And, um, you know, the discussion hasn't really fully gone there. You know, and and other players like... Um, Eric Reed and mm-hmm. Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson uh, continue to take a knee, continue to protest, continue to try to talk about these serious issues mm. um, and these these systemic racial injustices um, that are 
deeply ingrained in 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 this this empire. Sure. <laughs> um, but the in the general public, you know, what what I see online, especially too on social media, is it's all about the national anthem. Mm. You know? And um you know, that just that brings me to despair a little bit. Yeah, You're missing um, the point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I I'm thinking about this in terms of you know because it's I think of I think of it as liturgy, you know if you if you're a, if you're a church person and you change the way service goes, people are gonna get upset. Exactly. Right. People are gonna start people flipping out, like mm. going, "What's mm. what's going on? Mm. People don't like change." Yeah. So I think in some ways he opened up a lane for people to start making change, mm -hmm. mm. whether or not it's not fully gone there yet. Right. So you you need the ruckus. You need people getting upset because it keeps the conversation going. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'll be honest. At the time, I didn't like what he did. I was more on a conservative and I, and, bent. Yeah, and I think you're wrong. Right, right? I know, so. and I think you're wrong too. That's okay. But as I've come around to this idea of liturgy of empire and yes. dis, you know some of those things, I've moved away from that opinion. But at the okay. time, I was like many Americans that saw it as a disrespect of, of the flag. So I understand from a nationalism. Standpoint. Like it's a it's a it's a nationalistic bent that goes. So and so because our our sports are wrapped up in nationalism and our identity as Americans. Right. Sports sports have always been a way. Um, to have, have been used as, especially the NFL mm -hmm. um, is is a propaganda machine. You know, it really well, is. What is um, football? Would you say th so. this could be me going all the way left? But that's okay. Would we, you that, say that's what we like? So <laughs> maybe not Lectal, but me. <laughs> but yes, yeah, sport is American. This is own. You know, it's a form of religion, right? Yeah. In America. Yeah. Would you say Kaepernick was kind of creating his own like <laughs> form of like church or religion? You know what yeah, I'm I saying? Mean, like, I, or is he a splinter? Is he a heretic? Well, yeah, well, is he a heretic? I, I think, I think like we see over time, yeah. right? We see figures time and time again throughout history who speak truth to power and become prophets of their time, right? Sure. And, and I think I think Colin Kaepernick is a living and live prophet. Mm. of our time you know i mean he's he's doing incredible work he people don't really people don't, i i don't want to use this whole podcast as a platform to just <laughs> to just talk about colin kaepernick and and how 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 great he is but um i'm gonna do it for a minute anyway uh, okay you know he has he has something called um you know his whole organization is the uh the know your rights camp um so where he goes and and talks to um, you know, primarily um, black children about how to deal with police and what their rights are. Sure. Um, and, you know, he, he, he not only does that, but, uh, you know, on, on Super Bowl Sunday, he wasn't watching the Super Bowl. He was at a soup kitchen, you know. So um, all that to say, I mean, I, I, I just, I think sports, because it's, it, it, in a way, as... America at large becomes more secular, right? And Protestant mm -hmm. uh, mainline Christianity um, is yeah, dying. Declining. Catholicism's declining. Um, evangelicalism is rising. But it, you know, um, it's our secular religion. I think I think sports is our mm -hmm. secular religion, and we have certain figures who become. Uh, and maybe I maybe this is another thing we wanted to talk about, right? Idolatry. <laughs> maybe it's, I maybe yeah. that's what I'm doing with with Colin Kaepernick. People have done that with segue, yeah. Tim Tebow too. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you know who is very um, everything he does is explicitly Christian. And sure. I, I mean, for the record, Kaepernick is a serious Christian too. So, but anyway. I don't know where we want to go from here. <laughs> well, I would be curious to know, do you all think there are any other athletes who have hit that mark of quote-unquote idolatry or idol being idolatrous in how Americans... Yeah, and, and if that's a good or bad thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Muhammad Ali mm. is one. Well, I think right. we, we project our, our hopes, dreams, and fears on our athletes in a lot of ways, right? So, like, mm -hmm. we project what we want to be on those people. I mean, so, like, I think of Sunday going to see a, watch a football game. That's church. We're mm -hmm. all donning yeah, our church clothes. That's a ritual, too. And that's, wow. I mean, like, we all get together. We, we barbecue before. We have a, a love feast together. 
<laughs> you know, we got a barbecue. And it, 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 it's crazy that the similarities of, of what that. We make sacrifices wow. after with Absolutely. kickers who miss field goals. Absolutely, you know? we, we we lament <laughs> with our yes. team right. when mm-hmm. they lose. I mean, so in so many ways, like sports has become this secular religion where we all go to pay tribute mm. on those days because we've lost it and we've lost our religious sense we've lost any connection to the transcendent so we find it in the imminent yeah so that's what i was going to ask why like that, that's something that i've been wrestling with hmm. um throughout my time in seminary you said what did you say you put your where we put our hopes and dreams, dreams and our fears in our fears in this so hmm. that's what jesus is supposed to be absolutely right so like how do we get back yeah. to <laughs> that place pray i have no idea yeah <laughs> i i think i mean in a lot of ways we're watching the the deterioration of the institutional church so mm-hmm. i think in, mm-hmm. i think where mm-hmm. the church is moving and where the american church needs to move is outside of buildings it's going to be yeah. people's 100%. homes it's yeah. going to be relational it's not going to look like you have a big ministry it's not going to look like a 5,000 person mega church mm-hmm. where you know, it's going to be individuals meeting together, gathering, mm-hmm. encouraging one another, and going to sporting events. I have nothing wrong with sports, people. <laughs> like, I'm a big football fan, I'm a big basketball fan. Like, I love sports. Right. But like, I think as a culture, we have to move into something that the well, early church looked like in yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting, too, you know, as. So if we take Christianity seriously, right? Uh-huh. And if we take following Jesus seriously. Um, you know, I I'm, I know you disagree with this, Lucilana. I don't really know where you stand on this, Amber. But okay. I I think that being a Christian, um, you also it's you know you can't be a capitalist and a Christian. <laughs> I disagree um, with you, Seb. That's okay. And so I'm so I I you know I I recognize I'm a little radical. Um, and, and crazy um, but you know if, if we're serious about following the life of Jesus um, then we have to also be serious about speaking truth to the powers of our time right and so and a lot of you know it, while sports are incredible and wonderful and I, I'll be the first to admit I'm I'm obsessed with with the NBA. <laughs> um, they also are giant money making propaganda machines too. Yes, um, that are intertwined with American exceptionalism. Mm. Um, and and so so how do we reconcile that as Christians, or you know, not even just as Christians, but as Muslims or Jews or 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 Hindus, you know, anyone really. any spiritual because um, all spiritual yeah. practices really. Um, are going up against against those powers. So, what do you both think of that? So it's funny you say that because I I didn't talk about this in my intro, but I love my job. Let me say when I left the league back in 2018, it was mm-hmm. the hardest thing to come to divinity school. To come to divinity school <laughs> that I ever had to do, like probably the hardest decision or Welcome one to of the them. wilderness. <laughs> Literally. Uh, but after a while you know, I almost felt, I just felt this, like, really discontent, right? Like, I'm selling basketball, and to your point, like, generating all of this fandom, all of this love, all of this excitement, pouring everything, our hearts, our fears, everything, into basketball, but then serving in a church, right, where I'm trying (laughs) to get you know, parishioners to do the same thing and even people outside of the church, right? So I felt this sense of uneasiness Mm -hmm. where I was like, I did all that I could here, Mm -hmm. right, at Mm -hmm. the league. Like, I seriously, like, God wouldn't let up in the back of my ear. Like, I could feel God calling me to be like, hey, like, you need to be generating the same passion outside of Come on. Yeah. you know professional mm. sports so that's mm. why that was mm. really the big reason why i went back to seminary yeah. i or to seminary not back um yeah. <laughs> i actually decided maybe three or four weeks before classes started yeah. to, oh, wow. to go yeah. um but i say all that to say i agree 100 percent. like we need to generate the same 
enthusiasm and i don't know i i do agree with what you said jake it has to be out of the four walls of the church i don't think i think ministry is very much um meeting people where they are so i've done a lot of work with uh seeing where young adults are congregating at whether it be soul cycle whether it be you know food like food is a really big thing right so like farm to table cooking and you Mm -hmm. know ministry and fellowship over that um like through cooking classes or you know different mediums right like outside of uh your traditional um spaces but i don't know that's something i'm, I'm hoping to figure out <laughs> in the next year and a half uh, before graduating mm-hmm. sure but yeah yeah yep. it's the journey Let's all, i want to hear your you want to hear my take on your it. take on my so question I, I think there can be ethical markets right mm-hmm. i believe I in a free market yeah I think when you when you talk about capitalism, we we agree on that. The the idea of capitalism, I think you have in your head, which is like crony capitalism, and um, the abuse of people. Like, maybe. I, I agree with. Okay, maybe we don't agree on yeah. that. Well, then should we define? Yeah, capitalism. Could you, could you define? You want to define what you mean yes. by capitalism? Maybe that I can like pull that apart. Um, you know, I, I think anything that any economic system um, that's main goal and value is profit over anything else um, is problematic. And I, I and I know crony capitalism is worse than the ideal capitalism that you sure, and, yeah. and a lot of other kind of, um, I don't know, old school conservatives may have. Classical liberals. Um, classical liberals, maybe, say, <laughs> neoliberals. Um, I'm not a neoliberal. But either. I know you're not. But... Um, but but I still think if we're prioritizing profit, okay, um, we're never going to prioritize well-being sure. of of people. So I, um, I, I and think so, there's a so so ending crony capitalism yeah, yeah. Um, is is the start, right? Uh, but I but I don't think it, it's not my end game. Sure, for sure. I, so. I think you know, it's the best worst system we have economically. Mm-hmm. Right there, there are flaws to the system. That's just inherent in human nature. I think it gives people the most freedom because people are evil and they're going to do the wrong thing to do the right thing. <laughs> right. So like, what? <laughs> like, like people are jacked. People are jacked up and they're going to move in their own self. I mean, I, I, I'm total Adam Smith on this invisible hand, you know, of the market. I don't want to get into whole economics argument or conversation yeah we'll do this on another episode although i know amber wants in on this so i do believe in that there's a there's some way to do this kingdom right and i believe there are people that are doing kingdom business and and within a a capitalist within within the system absolutely who i don't i can't i mean there are people doing it there there are folks doing it listening to holy spirit asking god what to do but you know to benefit i I think i think Capitalism is inherently built on someone has to be oppressed. Someone has to be oppressed in In, this system. In order for someone to be rich, that means someone must be poor. No. the term "rich" means that you have a lot more money over someone else. I don't believe means there's going to be inequality. I I don't believe in a pie that's static. Right? You grow wealth. Like wealth grows. There's not just a limited amount of money. Like you can, you create. So your wealth. ideal version of capitalism is everyone is wealthy. Yeah, everyone gets to create wealth from the gifts. But and the then, no, that they if have. everyone's wealthy, no one is wealthy. Of course, there's going to be inequality. Dude, inequality is not necessarily a bad thing. It See, can I, be a I bad think thing. It, is. it can and I be think a bad Jesus thing. Jesus thinks it is too. I, but, but every dude, people are unequal in all sorts of things. We don't try to fix that. Well, we can't because naturally people are born unequally <laughs> with different traits that they have. We're but just, we can gonna, fix social systems and structures that are put in place let's that make create it, more inequality. Sure, let, let's make it an even playing field. Mm-hmm. Let's remove some of those. I, I agree with you. Let's remove some of the obstacles for folks, people that have been oppressed in the past. Let's, let's remove those things. I okay. still believe that free markets are the best way for human flourishing to go forward economically. I unless you have a better system. Well, I don't have one. I think we do need to read. I'm I'm very big on. We would talk about this in our political, yeah. our b- black radical political theory class, right? Right. right but like yeah. focusing on people like Cesare and Fanon, Fanon yeah. right? Who yeah. are really thinking about. We need to re- reimagine a whole new system of measuring worth 
Right. Like, sure. literally, they, they say we need to hallucinate and reimagine something outside right. of capitalism. We, can, we can't look in the past and say, well, sure. that didn't work, so capitalism. So, I don't know what it is. Up. I don't know if it's... Right. Sure, let, let's imagine... Measuring by let, colors or whatever. Let, but let's, 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 I'm all for experimentation. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't know what that system is. The systems we have, it's the best of worst systems, like I said. Like, it, it's better than communism. It's better than socialism. Mm-hmm. It gives more people freedom to do those, make those decisions. Yeah. I know you disagree with me. I'm not me. convinced. I'm not convinced. I know he's not convinced. It's okay. We're, we're, I don't want to rehash this. Already. We've already argued this. Countless off, times. off, we'll, yeah. We, right. We'll, we'll, we'll do Talk an entire line. episode about we, this. We soon, argue about this all the time. So. Oh, I see. I don't okay. want to argue about it now. <laughs> well, the, give the people what they want. This is I think you're wrong. No, uh, just, <laughs> Seb's no. wrong. <laughs> okay, so, all right. Let's bring this back a little bit into sports. Back to sports? Back into sports. So, Okay, so so Lichtel, as you were saying though, you didn't really fully answer the question. I think because I interrupted you. What um, was the question? <laughs> can we be faithful Christians and followers of Jesus, or just faithful religious folk? Sure. Um, out of all kinds of, of you know all different uh, religious traditions, um, and and um, you know still enjoy professional. Amer- well, not not only American sports, but you know, I mean, sports pro, pro soccer sports, too is yeah. you know at all yeah. levels sports sports that make sports at all levels, but especially sports that generate so much wealth um, and are are intertwined with empire. Sure, I think in some ways, some of these things I think are personal conviction. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a mandate that I can point to that says we should not be a part of sports because I think God calls us to be in those places as leaven and mm. actually to bring mm. forth the light of God because if we're not there mm. who's going to I mean the darkness will just overwhelm it right so I believe we need Christians in those spaces yeah. I think it's amazing that you're at the NBA doing your thing Yeah, like yeah. we need faithful people in those spaces to bring the light of Jesus I think there's a way to do it that can be beneficial to kingdom and I think you have to figure mm. out what kingdom looks like in those spaces because I think he's working everywhere exactly yeah. but I yeah. also think you know like it has to be your personal conviction sure. because I think everyone will have a different conviction on this mm-hmm. like maybe you might be convicted like I, I need to stop worshipping this in this way like maybe I need to stop buying jerseys right I don't know right. whatever your thing yeah, is yeah. like Unless, I love my jerseys but right but then jerseys can, <laughs> can but then it's interesting too because jerseys can be a way of of um <laughs> No, but really, like, like, I know. I again, here we this go. This is an but, example. But no, but like a Kaepernick jersey is a is a political statement. Sure. Correct. Yes. Right. No. So 100%. it's so it's and I mean not to mention too sports are I mean religion churches are intertwined with with home, right? They're very connected to home and our identity, and so wearing a jersey from your city, your state. Yeah, yeah. I mean hmm. that's it's right, place. That's, it's yeah. place. It's yeah. place and belonging, right? And yeah. so I, I think that's it's complicated. A, it's complicated, and <laughs> I mean that's a good segue into Amber. We we talked a little bit um, before we started recording about sports as as a vehicle for international diplomacy yes. in the Olympics. Yes, um, and uh, just t- talk a little bit about that. Um, for sure. So Olympics, especially the Summer Olympics, is probably one of my favorite times. Yeah. Um, you know, of the year, every four years, Mm -hmm. just because you get a chance to see people from, you know, all nationalities, all ethnicities, races, etc., regardless of whatever socio-political status you have, just come together and celebrate sport, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. one thing I always said, especially when I started working in sports, was the reason why I am doing this is because it's a platform to bring people together. Sport is mm. literally probably one of the only, maybe like two or three universal languages yeah. that people can consistently agree on. Yeah, um, sure. So yeah, I just I, I feel like it just transcends all boundaries. So mm-hmm. yeah, Olympic the Olympic times are always one of my favorite. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I mean that just made me made me think too. I mean, um you know, it's interesting it, you know when 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 Kobe passed, I there it really a lot, you know, the world was kind of 
brought together for a, for a little bit. <laughs> yes. And I, you know, I know that's not um, the Olympics, although he was an Olympic athlete, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, but but sports ha- certainly has the power to do that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think about? Yeah, about I, th- that I think it has it, it. It's a it's a both sides of the same coin, right? It mm-hmm. has a liberating aspect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and something that puts us in bondage of idolatry. Yeah. And I think yeah. we have to. I mean, again, that's that's asking the question of where. As Christians, what's our responsibility? I think maybe, yeah. mm. and asking ourselves in this moment, how am I to responsibly behave in this scenario or participate in this action? Because I think that's what we do in our daily lives anyway. Yeah. Like, how am yeah. I going to responsibly live in Rome right. and like practice right. the customs? Like, and I think that's a daily negotiation. And so yes. I think with sports, I mean, as much as I want to rail against liturgy of empire, like I love sports. But we have to, I think we have to negotiate these things in our communities, together with one another, personally with the Lord, but also just, I think, like I said, communally, that's, I think, the way we do this yeah. as churches. Mm. Yeah. So. Yes. My two cents. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about that, Amber? Or? No, I agree. Okay. <laughs> I okay. agree. Okay, so, so before we close out, I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, just the idea of sport and just even just physical movement, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, even just going for a run, right? Moving your body um, as, a, as a form of spirituality, as a spiritual practice. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting because we've had some guests on here. We've talked about uh, purity culture and, yes. and um, you know, sexuality in the church. And, and, and it, we, we talk a lot. There's a movement growing today in how, you know, God gave us our bodies to use, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, you know, God gave us our bodies to use to, to move, right? To yes. move and, mm-hmm. and to be athletes. Um, and so, uh, I, know, I know you've mentioned you've experienced, mm-hmm. you know, forms of spiritual practice through, through, through running. running, right? Yeah. Talk, talk a yeah, little bit about so that. I, uh, even though I'm not going out on a track and yeah. <laughs> going yeah. over hurdles right. just for fun anymore, I do run. I still run a few times a week. And, you know, that's actually, especially at the end of my run, when I am tired, like fully exasperated, that is really the time when I'm able to connect the most with God. Because mm. mm. I'm, I'm just completely emptied out, you know, and yeah. my head is like completely clear and I'm just in a space where I'm able to receive whatever the Lord has for me in that moment. So I actually get some of my, that's the time of meditation. That's the time of prayer. Like I I actually get some of my best Mm -hmm. thinking done in, you know, communing with God, like at the end of my runs or Mm. through my runs. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm a huge advocate for like using, you said God gave us our bodies, like using it to the utmost and, and using your bodies. There's things like walking meditation and like walking prayer. Right. Um, there's things like, uh, breath prayers, right. There's, there's so many different things, um, you know, that we can use physically to connect to the spirit. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, full disclosure, I, I, Went for a run with Amber <laughs> last you week. Tell and them how it went. It, it, uh, I, I found out how out of shape I was. So I, it wasn't too much of a of a meditative practice for me. <laughs> but uh, but I know it was for you. So, yes. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, and you know, I um, I played basketball growing up, and and still do, um, not as much as I'd like to. But you know, even just just kind of playing around and, and just just shooting. Mm. Um, you know, just shooting baskets. Um, you know that that repetitive motion. It kind of gets you in a in a little bit of a trance, right? And you you're able to kind of like you do in prayer. You're able to just forget, you know, yes. sure. whatever else is going on um, in in your world or the world. And um, and I know, look, you played football growing mm-hmm. up, right? That was yeah. that was a big. Um, I understand that meditative practice and kind of you push mm-hmm. everything else out. You have that. You have one goal. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's to take the territory in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of football, you're right. Yes, um, but no, I totally. I mean, that physicality, and I, I think especially, like you said, there's a growing movement to remind ourselves that we are embodied creatures. Like Jesus actually had a body. I think yeah. we forget that. <laughs> right. We think God was, you know, He's way up here, but Jesus was in a body. He was yeah. like me and you. He sweat. Yes. 
He yeah. cried. Like, you know, he did all Jesus these things. He just walked a lot. Jesus did a lot yeah, of walking. He sure was, did. <laughs> he had BO. Jesus had BO. That's, yeah. that's, that's the tagline. Is that like, what we're going to end Jesus with? I think BO. so. Oh, like, no. <laughs> I'm in trouble. All right, all right. All right. Wow. We go from. That was from the Red Bull. <laughs> that was the Red Bull. <laughs> I told you I it was dangerous. I gave Lictal a Red Bull before this. That was a mistake. So. I told you. wild and crazy off the Red Bull. So. <laughs> so. Um, Wow, this has been this has been a really fascinating discussion. Um, Amber, sure. I want to thank you for coming on and, and talking to us. Thank about you for this. the invitation. Yeah, I um, loved it. So, so so before we go, before we let you go, mm-hmm. um, we always ask our guests to, to, to give us a last word, mm. um, just about you know to wrap up anything that we've talked about, um, and uh, kind of just just whatever you want the listeners to mm-hmm. to know about faith and sports and yeah and uh yeah go ahead okay let's see if i had to choose a last word so one of the things that i've learned over the past few years is maximizing whatever platform you have to to spread love mm. right because mm. god is love so yeah. my last thought is just a word of encouragement for everyone to love your neighbor, love yourself, love God, and whatever platform you have, making mm. sure you are spreading that mm. and spreading the good news. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you, Amber. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of I Think You're Wrong. If you would like to contribute to the conversation, follow us on Facebook or Instagram at I Think You're Wrong Pod.